from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast on Tuesday, November 21st. It is freezing outside, folks, and, you know, things happen in life, okay? And you buy a new house, and, you know, they and people tell you when you buy a new house, things come up. Well... You know, by the grace of God, it stayed relatively warm in the house, uh, relatively okay. It wasn't one of the coldest days outside. There wasn't a ton of ice and whatnot. But we have to get something fixed on our heater. And that is not fun. <laughs> so so we're in the process of, of doing that right now, which makes life very interesting and very cold. So, you know, it's about 58 degrees in the house. Not bad, not bad. But, you know, it, it always makes it always makes for an interesting day. But the thing is, it makes you appreciate the stuff that you really do have in this world. And, you know, and that's the thing is you can look at life and say, oh, my God, look at me. I don't have this. I don't have that. Oh, my gosh, it's so cold in my house. Or, you know, I looked at it and I looked at my wife and I said, you know, it's really cold in our house and that stinks. But I got you. I got Lily. You know, I have a I have a great life. I have a great little girl in my in our little dog Lily, and I have a great wife, and I have a great life. So you know, and, and my dad called up and checked on us. My mom came over and hung out with us and brought us dinner. So you know, it, it means a lot to me to you know just wake up this morning and say that you know I'm freezing. However, life is good. So thank you so much to God for you know. For number one, having the the thing needing fixing under warranty. Number two, for the fact that somebody's going to fix it right away this morning. Number three, that it was 58 in the house and not 12. Number four, that I slept with more layers on than I think I ever have in my life. And I was nice and warm and toasty. So, you know, I wasn't overheated. I wasn't too cold. I slept a full night's sleep. I probably had one of the best sleeps that I've had in a while. So, you know, I just want to thank God for a great life. Don't be stressed because it catches up with you and you got to run away from it. So get it away from you and be a good person. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. I think it's only fair to have a show that's dedicated to America, right? We have Thanksgiving coming up. I'm very excited about it. Yes, everything that you say in this world can and will be used against you, as we've learned. So Thanksgiving, well, did you know what they did to the pilgrims and they did it to the Native Americans? But Listen, when I think about Thanksgiving, I think about having a bunch of people around a table that I love dearly, and we have a good time, and, and just being a good person, okay? Getting the family together, breaking some bread, having some turkey, having a good time. This is my fourth year making the turkey. Thank you. Very excited about that. And, you know, it's about having fun, and it's about giving back, and it's about having a good life. So, Relax and enjoy Thanksgiving. I'm ecstatic about Turkey Day. I'm ecstatic about Black Friday. I will not go out at 5 a.m., but I will have my own Black Friday at like 1 p.m., and that's fine. So, <laughs> I, listen, 
It works. It works. You got to be strategic. You got to be strategic and you got to get your rest. So very excited about all that is to come. I got another Syracuse game to cover on Wednesday. I have another pregame show to go out to Lees and Staggerwald and see you guys with and have some fun on Wednesday at 5 p.m. for the game that's at 7. So come hang out with me on Wednesday, November 22nd down at Lees and Staggerwald. 117 East Fayette Street, downtown Syracuse, five minutes from the Carrier Dome. The food is awesome. The drinks are there. We're pouring them. We're drinking them. We're staying warm. We're having a good time. We're eating some wake-up call pub nachos, and we're heading up to the Dome to watch a great game. So I'll see you at 5 o'clock on Wednesday, September or November 22nd. I'm going backwards two months. This Wednesday, November 22nd, I'll see you at 5 at Lee's and Staggerwall downtown. And then let's head up to the Dome and have a good time. Bring your game ticket with you. You get a free beer. Your first beer is free if you bring your game ticket. So don't leave it in the car. Bring it out there with you to Lee's and Staggerwald Wednesday, November 22nd at 5 p.m. So lots of good stuff. Having a lot of fun. Having a good time. Today is dedicated to America because the representation of America, different walks of life, different money, different colors, shapes, sizes, races, nationalities, languages, this, that, and the other, comprise our country, and they comprise the American Athletic Conference. Different coaches from different backgrounds, different places, different roads to get to where they are right now. Players from all over that have come together. And these are people that are not considered to be your five stars and your four stars and not given all the credit in the world. It's not a power five conference, but it should be a power six. So there is all of this around the American Athletic that reminds me of the story of America not getting respect, not being treated the way that they feel they should be treated, and battling and fighting and pushing forward toward that day where you look at them and regard them as one of the most prominent, one of the most respected. And the thing that, that it comes down to is whether or not everyone regards them as that, whether or not is a, it is a general consensus, the truth is the American Athletic Conference demands respect and has earned that respect and I cover them proudly because they do things the right way and because they care. You know, these are schools that are keeping themselves, you know, I mean, when it comes to who's in the news for being in trouble, you're not hearing about the American Athletic Conference a lot. You're not hearing about these coaches. They're not getting fired typically. They're not, you know, dealing with constant player issues. There may be something here and there, but this is a conference that is built to last. It is built to be productive. It is built to be strong. It is built to show you that through the ashes of something terrible, which was realignment that ripped this conference apart, which used to be the Big East, turns into something very special. And yes, they had to take from the Conference USA to recreate but what they have done and how they've done it, and Conference USA has a bunch of teams now again, and I'm happy that they do. The American Athletic Conference, they could have given up. They could have said, no, we're not going to do this. It's not going to work. They didn't. They held on. They provided an opportunity for coaches and players to be a part of something new. And very rarely in sports do we see something that's being born today. And... A few years ago, the American Athletic Conference was born out of the fire of realignment, and I am elated to cover this conference, and I am happy that I took the plunge and said, hey, redheaded stepchild, I'm a redheaded stepchild. Let's do this damn thing together. So God bless to the American Athletic Conference, and God bless to America and to people all around the world. I'm very happy to provide this show for you today, which is the final time that you'll hear them all together for this season all 12 coaches from the American Athletic Conference from all around the country, but starting off with their commissioner, Mike Oresco, speaking on things about college football that 
whether you're a fan of the American or not, whether you knew Mike, whether you know Mike Oresco or you don't, these are conversations that need to be had. The college football playoff, UCF, USF, Quentin Flowers, Mackenzie Milton, Scott Frost, coaches inside of the American. Why are they being poached? Why are people coming after them? What does it say about the conference? What are the records inside the conference? What does that say about where it's heading? Is there enough respect for the conference? So much coming up in this conversation that I'm more than proud to share with you with Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, to start off the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA, the home of the Dan Tortora special And inside of the morning menu, we start off with Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the AAC. Mike, how are you doing this morning? Uh, Doing doing really well, Dan, and uh, great to be with you as usual, and uh, looking forward to this weekend. We've got a lot going on with the league, as you know. Yeah, and I want to start with uh, the biggest thing, which is the fact that Memphis has already claimed the American Athletic West side, and I'm going to get to the east side in a moment, but on the west side of this division, for the American, just what it says to you about the level of competition, the level of talent you know, that there really is, you know, people always say top to bottom, but there really is no bottom. I mean, you look at three years of having the American Athletic Football Championship game, year one, it's Houston, year two, it's Navy, year three, it's Memphis in the West. Just what you could say about starting with that West division and the level of talent and and the the fact that, you know, any given year we can say it's anybody's game, but it truly has been anybody's game. True. We've, we've got some real depth in the conference, and no one's got total depth top to bottom. I mean, look at some of the other conferences. You've got teams with one win or zero wins. But the truth is, uh, especially at the top level, we've got a lot of competition. And, you know, think about it. Houston's a really, really good team, Dan, and, and they've lost four games, and three have been heartbreakers, really, when you think about it. They could easily have been a factor in this. Uh, what's really impressive about Memphis is that they've sustained their success. You know, that's a program that over the years has had some sporadic success, but they've never been able to sustain it. And in this league, I think teams like that will continue to do well. They'll hire the right coaches. But top to bottom, you know, think about it. SMU's a very good team. They've lost three really tough games, uh, and they could easily have been, you know, a nine-win team. Um, Tulsa fell back a bit, but they'll be back. And they gave USF, which is a good team, you know, all they wanted the other day. And they did beat Houston, even though they don't have a lot of wins. As, you know, Philip Montgomery said, their coach, they could easily have won five or six games. They've lost, you know, a lot of close ones. So there's, you know, Tulane is showing some strength. They beat Houston. They almost beat Cincinnati. They, uh, they beat Army. Uh, you know, again, the West has, has been, as you know, particularly strong with Navy. And I would add, Dan, you know, watching Navy play Notre Dame is pretty evident. Uh, the strength of our conference, which I think we, we still have to convince the CFP committee and others that we're stronger than uh, than we're given credit for. Uh, but Navy proved how tough they are. And think about it. You know, that was an away game at Notre Dame. And they almost won, could have won. And uh, think about how tough they are at home, where they won 17 straight until UCF beat them. So, uh, again, there's real depth out there. In the East, you know, there hasn't been as much, but there will be. The two Florida schools are really competitive now. Uh, you're going to see Cincinnati and East Carolina get better. Uh, Temple is a young team. They'll get better. And, you know, it's funny when we set these divisions up, Dan, we did it east to west. And we thought that, you know, obviously we felt that was the right way to do it. But we were actually worried early on that the strength was in the east. You know, four or five years ago, Cincinnati, East Carolina, Temple, 
you know, the two Florida schools, it looked like, wow, they're, they're going to be the, uh, the really top teams. And out West, you know, you had the smaller private schools. We wondered whether they would compete as well. You just never know, right? I mean, you know, uh, for years, the SEC East was the strongest uh, conference or division, and then that shifted to the SEC West. You know, it's cyclical. You just never know. But there's real, uh, you know, again, as you said earlier, there's real depth in this conference, and uh, Memphis is an example of it. Yeah, and and in looking at, you brought up a a bunch of different things, and I want to get into, you know, Navy, uh, Kenny Amatololo, who I've spoken with, you know, for the past few seasons, really since, you know, he came in with Navy to the American Athletic all the way to where we are right now. The team has the six wins for bowl eligibility and have the opportunity to move forward. But he said, you know, Navy's not playing Navy football. He's He had made that, uh, that quotation about three weeks ago that he wanted to see more out of his team as they tried to navigate this season, yet they hung with Notre Dame, and like you said, had an opportunity to win. Notre Dame had been taking teams down. They were in the college football playoff top four for uh, the first few weeks. So, you know, when you see teams like, you know, Memphis obviously winning, they're 9-1, and one, they're going to the American Athletic Football Championship game, and then there's a team like Navy where Kenny Amatololo says we're better than this, yet they already have six wins, they have a shot, to, to move forward and get a couple more. Just what you could say about the fact that, you know, the teams in your conference that think they can do better are already hanging tough with the rest of the nation and, and pushing the rest of the nation. And I know it comes down to wins and losses, but Navy had a better game against Notre Dame than many did. Well, that's the point I make, uh, Dan, and that, that, that I'm glad you mentioned it because I've talked to the, you know, our reps from the CFP committee and I've talked to the media at length about the fact that if you just compare results and you give us a fair hearing and a fair shot, you'll see how good we are. Uh, Memphis beat UCLA. You saw UCLA play USC dead even, you know, this past week. Uh, Josh Rosen was healthy when he played Memphis, had a great game, but Memphis won. Uh, We've had big wins left and right over the last few years. We've won the the big bowl games. Uh, Houston had seven straight wins over P5 teams. And as you know, they had, you know, they beat uh, last year Oklahoma and Louisville when both were ranked number three. And they not only beat them, they destroyed them. And uh, we don't get credit for that. And the fact that Navy would play that competitively when Notre Dame destroyed USC, uh, basically destroyed North Carolina State, uh, destroyed a bunch of teams out there in South Bend, but they didn't destroy Navy. And, uh, you know, Memphis uh, has had big wins two years ago. They beat Ole Miss coming off. Ole Miss had come off a big win over Alabama. We've got a lot of examples of that. You know, even East Carolina, Dan, which is down right now, and they'll be back. A couple of years ago, they had five straight wins over ACC teams, including two over Virginia Tech, one on the road after Virginia Tech had just beaten Ohio State. And then they, uh, they also beat NC State. They beat uh, North Carolina 62-24. to 24. I don't think the league gets credit for that. You know, when uh, when the chair of the committee talked about strength of schedule and, and, and singled out our league as problematic, you know, obviously uh, that didn't sit well with us, and, and we talked about it. Uh, I think that committee is – they do a great job. They're, they're great people. They're, they're extremely, uh, you know, fair. But I think, you know, right now I think they're – they're still not necessarily giving us the credit we deserve. And, and you know, you see UCF, uh, that team is really, really good. And so is USF. And, by the way, USF has not played as challenging this schedule. We understand that. But they've destroyed everyone on the schedule. And nobody 
was talking about Wisconsin's schedule as holding them back when they were in the top five or the top ten. Well, what about UCF, which played just as demanding a schedule? Uh, and then USF had played, you know, uh, an easier schedule, but had destroyed every team they played for the most part. And the only loss was to a, a really good Houston team that came ready to play and played a great game. And, uh, you know, you've got teams ranked now that have, that have given up 50 points to mediocre teams that have lost at home by 25 or 30 points. That's not true of USF. So give them credit, too. I mean, they should be ranked in the CFP standings as far as I'm concerned, and we'll, we'll know tomorrow whether they are. Um, but, again, the big showdown will take care of itself this weekend. But uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because, again, we don't get credit for all the great things this league has done and, and how competitive we are. When we put our best teams up against the P5, they always hold their own. Yeah, and you know, speaking here with the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, who is uh, no stranger to this program here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, I, I want to go through here for a sec because I find this to be very unique about the American Athletic, especially when it comes to success. I'm going to go down the line and then uh, follow up with a question that, that encompasses all 12. But besides Kenya Matalolo at Navy, who this is his 11th year there. He's been there for over a decade. You have Houston with Major Applewhite, who's in his first season as the head coach of the team after being the offensive coordinator. Mike Norvell's in his second season at Memphis. Chad Morris is in his third season at SMU. Willie Fritz is in his second season at Tulane. Philip Montgomery's in his third season at Tulsa. Cincinnati, Luke Fickles in his first year there. Randy Etzel, first year back at UConn. Second year for Scotty Montgomery at East Carolina. First year for Jeff Collins at Temple. First year for Charlie Strong at South Florida. And second year for Scott Frost at Central Florida. To look at the fact that your conference has three teams with one loss or less in Memphis, South Florida, and UCF, these are coaches that are either two-year or one-year into the program, and the overwhelming majority are first-year or second-year coaches at the institutions, and then if not, it's a third-year, and then obviously Kenny Amatololo stands by himself with 11 to do what this conference is doing in and out of conference and to be doing it with first year, second year, and just, you know, very rare third year coach at the program. Just what that says to you, because you coaches keep changing and they keep getting poached by the, by the, you know, quote unquote power five. Yet every coach that comes up next, you know, you cut off a head to, to, you know, are born from there and whatnot. This conference has found so much success yet. I'm looking at first year, second year, third year, and, and you know, that's that's the norm in the conference, and the abnormal is Kenny Amatololo. Uh, no question. In fact, that, that would make a great graphic, uh, Dan. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I knew we had a lot of new coaches and obviously one in two years, but I think that, that would make a terrific graphic to show what we're dealing with. And I think it, it says a couple of things. One is we know that uh, – we, we can't pay quite as much as the P5. I think we're a P6, but that doesn't mean we're equal to the Big Ten or the SEC. It just means that we belong in their company. Uh, it's as though, you know, no one, you know, the ACC, some years might be as strong, some years might not be the Big 12. We had more draft picks, as you know, last year than the Big 12 had. Uh, we belong in that group. It doesn't mean we are like everybody in that group. And, and coaches is one of the issues because we can't pay quite as much. And, you know, obviously we have some headwinds because it's harder for us to compete for that CFP slot, you know, the playoff I'm talking about. A little harder for us to get into certain bowl games. It's a little harder for us to do certain things 
which is unfortunate, but we'll, we'll overcome that eventually. But it, it affects your coaches and it affects where they want to go. But what it also says is that our administrators, Dan, are hiring outstanding young coaches, and that's usually the formula. We've got some veterans. Randy Etzel came back. Uh, obviously, Kenny Niamatololo is our true veteran, and he does an unbelievable job, and we're lucky to have him. But for the most part, we have to hire the young guys, and often they're the top coordinators around the country. Uh, we get the best coaches, uh, you know, and, and many of our coaches are superior to what you have in the, in the P5. That's a tribute to our administrators, knowing when you know, to hire a Mike Norvell to follow Justin Fuente. And to hire a Willie Fritz, to hire a Scott Frost, to follow George O'Leary, who did an unbelievable job over 10 years building that program at UCF, to hire Charlie Strong, uh, who is a veteran, uh, you know, after Willie Taggart leaves. Uh, we're hiring good young coaches. The other thing I think it says, Dan, is that they're inheriting good teams. You know, I always said that the worst thing for us would be coaches that don't build the programs and end up staying. You know, if coaches leave but they've built a foundation, we're happy about that. And and the new coach can come in and while, you know, it will take some adjusting and that's what's remarkable. Like you said, one and two year coaches have teams that are nine and oh or ten and oh and ten and one or nine and one. That's a tribute to them because it's not easy to come in and take over other people's talent, other people's recruits. But what it means is though they've been left a good foundation. You know, and, and Justin Fuente left an excellent foundation at Memphis. You know, Matt Rule left a good one at Temple. That's a young team. It'll get better. You know, George O'Leary, even though they had that 0-12 season, he left a really good foundation for Scott Frost. This was not an 0-12 team. Everybody knew that. Uh, same thing at, at USF, what, what Willie Taggart left for Charlie. And uh, that's happening elsewhere. Uh, you know, if Chad Morris leaves SMU down the road, and we hope he doesn't, He's, he's left an outstanding foundation based on where they were three years ago. Same thing at, look what Tom Herman left for Major Applewhite at, uh, at Houston. Uh, same thing what Philip Montgomery's leaving at Tulsa. They had a, a bit of a down year, but compared to where they were three years ago, there's real talent on that roster. So essentially it's a combination of those things that have kept us competitive. But you're right. This is, this is remarkable. You don't see those P5 conference teams have to deal with, with one and two year coaches and people taking over new programs and trying to compete at this level. But we've recruited well, we've got good talent, they buy into the new coaches, and we'll just have to continue to keep up with that formula because again, we're gonna be faced with coaches leaving, we know that. Doesn't mean we can't keep some, but it's just something we're gonna have to continue to do. And and when you look at that, you know, the fact that, and, and you said, you know, obviously the graphic of, of the coaches and, and the 10 years of the coaches inside of the AAC and outside of Kenny Amatololo that it's all, you know, young as far as a connection with the program. I had made the statement uh, within the last couple of weeks that the American Athletic Conference has the opportunity and, and the way it stands right now is that there will be, you know, Temple potentially, but South Florida, UCF, going to a bowl game, Memphis going to a bowl game, Houston Navy, SMU going to a bowl game. So the overwhelming majority of the American athletic going to a bowl game where I said that potentially half of the SEC could be firing their coaches and looking for a new head coach. So when you look at what's considered the the upper echelon, the highest of the high with the SEC conference, they're looking at switching and figuring out how to bring in new coaches that'll make sense and help out. And they've already fired a couple during the season, whereas the American Athletic is looking toward the bowl season. The SEC is looking toward the next head coach. And just what you can say about that juxtaposition as you try to elevate this conference 
in the minds and, and in, in front of the eyes of the people that need to see that you're not a conference that's firing head coaches. You're a conference that has desirable head coaches that the SEC and the ACC and, and other conferences are looking at. That's true. We haven't had too many. We've, we've had, a, you know, a, a few have been fired, but not too many. And the truth is, uh, you're right. We've got uh, coaches that, frankly, are in demand. We've got other coaches who are building programs. You got to give them a few years. I think they'll they'll do a really good job. We could have seven or eight bowl teams this year, uh, which is good. I mean, it's a 12 team conference. Uh, you know, other conferences, uh, obviously, they can have their pick usually of coaches, Dan. And sometimes you hit, and sometimes you miss. Uh, and I think there's less patience, as you know now. Uh, to build a program, uh, it's rare when a coach gets two or three years if, if they, you know, the team hasn't been successful. And that's what we tell some of our coaches. You know, not everybody in the P5, Dan, can win. Not everyone can have a great year, year to year. You're taking a big risk going to some of these programs, maybe maybe virtually all of them, in the sense that you're not going to get a lot of time. Uh, in our league, I think you will get time. In our league, I think you also have a chance to do something, uh, you know, really interesting and unique uh on the other hand i understand that you uh you have an easier path for instance to the playoff you have an easier path to certain big bowl games you have certain other advantages certainly get paid more money for the most part although we're we're competitive we're not there yet though in terms of what we can pay so you balance that against the risk that you take when you when you go to the p5 uh and that's essentially what you know what what we're, we're talking about with our coaches uh, but, but, you know, at this point, I don't worry about that. I, I think it's much more important, Dan, to have committed administrators who want to win and who, who want to, to – this P6 narrative is real. If, if people aren't buying in, then we're not going to get anywhere. But they are buying in. And I think if you look at our, our schools, uh, they're, they're hiring the best coaches they can possibly find. They want to compete. Uh, if they lose a coach, they'll find a good one to replace that coach. And I think that's the key. I think, you know, if, if you don't have the uh, uh, commitment, then you're never going to get there. And, and you look at some of the teams that are down now in our league, East Carolina, which has a long and great tradition, and a few years ago was one of our best teams. They're impatient, and they're going to come back. And the same thing with Cincinnati. They're coming back. Randy Edsel's already done a good job with UConn, and it's just a matter of time. And, you know, Willie Fritz, rebuilding Tulane. All these coaches, not to mention, of course, the phenomenal job Scott Frost has done and others, they just, you know, they're, they're coaches who, uh, you know, just want to put their heads down and work and, you know, and, and they've got administrators who back them and are doing everything they can. You know, I'd close this part, Dan, by saying, look, we don't have the resources the others have, but we've used them intelligently. We've used the resources we have intelligently. I mean, look what we've accomplished. You know, again, I don't think you need waterfalls in your locker room. You don't need TVs on your lockers. We have a lot of hard scrabble kids who just want to play football, want to play it well, you know, want to obviously, uh, you know, have their team succeed. And, and that's, I think, far more important. I want that kid, you know, Bill Parcells used to say, who wants to wake up in the morning and go play on a, on a, on a you know, an asphalt, um, you know, field and, and just wants to play football, you know, doesn't mind, uh, you know, all the hardships. That's what we want. And uh, I hope, you know, somebody said we're, we're more blue collar than we are blue blood. Well, sure, we, we have programs that are 100 years old, but we've never been 
among the, you know, the quote elite of college football. And believe me, I, I know something about that. I programmed the other conferences, those P5 conferences for 35 years. So I know all about them. But in looking at our conference, I also see how we compete. And uh, I just hate it when we, uh, you know, we don't get the credit we deserve when the evidence is right in front of people. I mean, how do you argue with what Houston did to uh, Oklahoma and Louisville? And by the way, Dan, it's an interesting uh, you know, tidbit. Uh, the only team to stop Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson over the last few years came from our conference, Houston. No one else has been able to stop those two. Don't you think that people would step back and say, hmm, interesting, that, that conference has done some remarkable things. And, you know, I, I try to spread the word, but, you know, it, it just takes time for it all to sink in. Speaking here with the American Athletic Conference Commissioner, Mike Oresco. And, and Mike, kind of going off of that, when you said, you know, you try to spread the narrative and you want people to listen, you want them to, to hear you out and really see it, you know, to, to look at UCF and look at the fact that not only do they have an opportunity to go from obscurity a couple of years ago, they went from 0-12 to 6-6, and in the, in the first season went to a bowl game under Scott Frost, now are 10-0. and Not only did they do this, but they've done it playing 10 straight weeks of football and, and having 10 straight weeks the way that you end the season. With the hurricane, they had to navigate and weather the storms literally. South Florida had to do the same thing. If any two teams had excuses, it would be them and their 19-1 and combined. Houston would have an excuse. They're bowl eligible and in second place only behind Memphis on the west side. So, you know, to look at these teams that have, have gone through the gamut and then had to deal with natural disasters and Mother Nature, which you never know what's going to happen, and kids being away from their families and trying to figure – in SMU too, trying to figure things out, you know, where where are kids going? Are they going home? Are they staying here? How do we get everybody back, getting the practices in? You know, Central Florida saying, hey, we weren't going to put ourselves in a situation with Georgia Tech where we have one day of practice – so we had to, you know, finagle the schedule. I mean, you, you look at what these teams went through, and on and off the field, there's no excuses. You're a conference, which unlike some of the other conferences and, and, and some inside of the Power Five, quote-unquote, they don't have a winning conference. You don't have a team of the 12 in your conference without a victory to show that even those that are not going to a bowl game were still effective and still were able to get a victory in conference, which can't be said about conferences like the SEC this year with certain teams like Tennessee and whatnot. So, you know, when you're spreading the narrative and you're spreading Houston defeating Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, you're spreading what Central Florida and South Florida and Houston and SMU did against natural disasters that are obviously not something you can just prepare for in a season. And you're looking at what you're doing in the classroom. You look at what you're trying to pay your coaches and elevating coaches to contract extensions and making sure that they are making good money. And some of these coaches getting more money for their assistance as well. When you're spreading this narrative and it has so many bullet points, what is working? What are the things that you feel like when you're trying to bend the ear of other people? What are the things that you feel like are getting traction? You know, do you feel like you're getting traction? Number one. And, and number two, what are those things that people are going, Oh, well, you know what? Yeah, Mike, that's, that's something that, that definitely needs more attention. Well, you know, Dan, that's a great question. And, and unfortunately, 
we did get a lot of credit for redoing our schedule, which was not easy to do. And it put a lot of schools at a disadvantage, including the ones that have won all their games or won most of their games. So that was something we probably got some credit for, but it's a real struggle for us. We're still working uh, uphill because we don't get the attention we deserve. You know, this is still, especially in football, it's, it's a P5 world and we really, really fight hard and, you know, I'm relentless in promoting the conference, but I, I get frustrated from time to time because I'm, I'm, you know, I talk to certain writers and I say, look, here are the facts. Can we get more attention? You know, I think, for instance, this game this weekend should re- be really one of the premier games other than Alabama Auburn. What's a better game? I mean, I know Ohio State Michigan's a, you know, a traditional game and all, but this year, the one that is really fascinating is USF and UCF. And, uh, first time those two have been this good but in terms of what we have to do i guess we we just have to keep winning keep fighting um you know i'll tell you one of the sources of my frustration is for instance uh mckenzie milton is as good a quarterback as there is in the country mckenzie milton has probably had a better season than almost everybody in college football uh other than maybe baker mayfield and i say maybe because First of all, he hasn't lost a game yet, and he has every game he throws four or five touchdown passes, he runs, he, he does an unbelievable job. I, I read a column today where somebody said, you know, the, the top quarterbacks of, of the you know the college football season, and he wasn't mentioned, and I was furious because they mentioned a couple of guys who are, are maybe good pro prospects, but they haven't had great years, and their teams haven't been great. And you don't mention him. I mean, he has had a phenomenal year. And this is strictly P5 bias. That's all it is. That's all it is. He doesn't get the attention he deserves. I think I did see him on one Heisman list during the year. But he should be, you know, and I'm going to call this writer and I'm going to mention him and I'm going to say, why don't you just look at his games and look at what he's done when they went up to Maryland and destroyed a Maryland team that a few weeks earlier had beaten Texas at Texas. And every team they played in our league, you know, they went up to Navy and had a really, really tough game. They went to SMU. Those are tough games. And believe me, there's nobody, I don't care whether it's TCU or any of those teams, they would have a tough time. You know, SMU was down six points to TCU in the fourth quarter at TCU. They played a really tough game, and that was after a Hail Mary at the end of the first half that TCU unfortunately got, uh, or SMU would have been ahead. You saw what Navy did up at Notre Dame. Uh, you know, it's it's the lack of, of attention to our, our group, and it's all because we're not a so-called P6. If we were a P6, they would automatically be giving us attention that we don't get now, and it's that simple. And, uh, you know, I again, Dan, uh, you, you fight hard. You do the best you can. Uh, promoting your conference, you try to let their achievements, uh, you can't let them speak for themselves because you've got to promote it because people aren't paying as much attention. I hope down the road they do. I think we've got an opportunity this weekend on ABC, national game, not much competition in that window. We should get a pretty good audience. We'll get a lead in from Miami, Pittsburgh uh, on ABC. Uh, we, uh, we've we got a, a Navy-Houston game on ESPN at noon, which is great. The 3.30 game is, is the big one. Uh, USF, UCF, and then we've got uh, Memphis on the next day. If they win, they, uh, you know, they'll be a, a bona fide New Year's Day contender when they play in our championship game. And then we've got the ABC uh, National for our championship game, which is the third year in a row that it's been an ABC National. Uh, so, you know, we hope that by getting that exposure of 
little by little will chip away. But it's an attention deficit is what it is. You know, the focus is on the P5 and they just don't give us enough credit. And Mike, you had said, you brought up Mackenzie Milton and what he's been able to do for UCF in the game for all the marbles against South Florida. The guy on the other side, Quentin Flowers, you know, this is a guy who is living life without his mother, without his father, without his brother. Uh, him and I had this conversation going into the season about how he how he even wakes up in the morning, let alone plays, let alone isn't mad at the world to the point where he's going out and doing stupid things. He's not. He's on the football field. He's taking all of this energy that could be hatred and anger and turning it into positivity, leadership, uh, faith, hope, desire, belief, perseverance, determination. And, and this man, Quentin Flowers, year after year, is going and playing teams in the Power Five, defeating teams in the Power Five, putting people in dismay on how they can stop him. One of the best running quarterbacks in the country, hands down. He has nine touchdowns this season on the ground as he goes into this game against Central Florida. And he has 17 touchdowns to five interceptions through the air. This man has been playing with so much baggage, yet he plays with none of it. And he has not been really brought up in the Heisman race yet. I feel like Quentin Flowers two years ago, if you said he was a finalist for the Heisman, I could argue that. If it was last year, I could argue that. And this year, I can argue it too. So I don't, I don't quite understand how Quentin Flowers, who has been on a national stage, had big time games that have been televised against really good teams in and out of conference, how this is not a man that we look at as not only a Heisman finalist, but a beacon of hope for people that have to go through a lot of hardship in their life. Well, first of all, he's a remarkable young man. There's no other way to describe it. He's been through more than almost anyone could, you know, could, could endure. And, and, and he's just done a remarkable job. Uh, he, uh, like you say, he's, he's optimistic. He's, he's cheerful. He's, He's a great teammate. Uh, and by the way, by not mentioning him, I didn't mean in any way to denigrate his ability and what he's done. He's been remarkable. But it's just that this year, Mackenzie Milton's statistics are beyond imagining. And, you know, USF, uh, because their schedule maybe hasn't been quite as challenging, and, and Quentin Flowers has, has played a different kind of game with new offensive coordinator than he, and he did previously. But he still has been dominant. He's done a great job. He should absolutely be in that uh, mix as well. And, and, and so Ben Hicks has come on at SMU you watch Ben's games he's been you know a terrific quarterback we've got a couple of others but uh, Quentin Flowers you're right he he deserves that kind of consideration as well as Mackenzie Milton you're going to see them both on the same field this weekend uh which is a great advertisement for our conference uh you know I think there's probably been less emphasis in the Heisman uh, voting on uh, the quality of the individual, and I think there probably should be more emphasis on that again. It'd be nice if there was. The Heisman Trust used to put some serious uh, emphasis on it. Uh, Quentin Flowers would qualify on all accounts. He's just a remarkable young man. And, uh, you know, we've got some other great stories in this league, though. Shaquem Griffin, who does not have, you know, his left hand uh, because of a, a birth uh, issue defect, and he's got a uh, – you know, he had uh, you know some surgery because the hand was just giving him too much trouble. It hadn't formed correctly, and there was a great article in Sports Illustrated. Uh, what a young man! I mean, he's never ever viewed himself as having a disability. 
uh, he's he's just a, a tremendous example for anybody who's ever had to, to deal with any kind of, of hardship or disability. And and I hope he gets a lot of attention this week too. You know, uh, I'm just happy when our student athletes can get the kind of uh, recognition and attention they deserve. And that was true a couple of years ago when Temple played Notre Dame on ABC and had six million viewers. And Tyler Matikavich, who had, you know had four, 100 tackles four straight years, uh, 100 plus, uh, got a lot of attention that night, deservedly so as did a bunch of other players. And this week, I think we'll finally, on ABC nationally, you know, people, they'll talk about Quentin Flowers and what a remarkable young man he is. They'll talk about Shaquem Griffin, what a remarkable young man he is. They'll talk about Mackenzie Milton and the season he's had. And uh, that's something that uh, our league deserves. Uh, One of the things I tell the committee is that uh, we've had so many outstanding individual performances that it reflects on how well our teams are, how how good our teams are. When you look at uh, a few years ago, you may may remember the catch that J.J. Wharton made against uh, Temple. Probably still the greatest catch I've ever seen in college football, maybe in any any football. Uh, you know, it was the subject of the NBC Nightly News. Uh, they talked about that catch and uh, featured it that night. Uh, we've had Hail Marys that no one else has had. You know, Prashad Perryman had one for uh, UCF a few years ago. We've had... Um, you know, two receivers at ECU set the all-time NCAA receiving record. Uh, Justin Hardy set it, and Zay Jones broke it. Same team. And then you have uh, Tyler Matikavich winning the Nagurski Award and uh, a couple of other awards, and in addition to uh, <clears throat> having, you know, one of the few people that's ever had uh, 100 tackles four straight years. Uh, those are the kinds of achievements, I think, that tell you what kind of players you have. And, and it also... Uh, shows you why our teams have been so competitive you know uh look at uh, what memphis has had their quarterbacks you know riley ferguson obviously doing a great job following up uh so it's it's good to to get that kind of attention but again it's still a struggle for us uh, dan and uh, you know all we can do is is continue to play well and and do everything we can to get the uh, the national media to pay attention to us, and I think the fans are. I think we're getting traction for the P6, uh, but again, uh, the whole P5 thing is still a headwind for us. Um, and Mike, in closing, just to uh, to look at this, you know, when when <laughs> when when the conversation comes up of you know what is the American Athletic Conference worth. You know, my my answer very clearly, first and foremost, is, well, it's worth millions of dollars because that's what you pay to take the coaches away every single year. And, you know, you look at Scott Frost and what he's done, two seasons at UCF. He's the topic of conversation. Charlie Strong's been in South Florida for five minutes. He's a topic of conversation. Mike Norvell at Memphis is a topic of conversation. Kenny Amatololo has been offered opportunities uh, recently and, and, you know, has, has taken some thought and ultimately returned to Navy. You brought up Chad Morris and what he's been able to do with SMU to make him a bowl team this year. When, when I look at the nation – and every single year, there are big name programs saying, "Hey, that that guy in the American Athletic, he's pretty damn good, and I'll pay him two million dollars. I'll pay him. I'll pay him three million dollars. I'll bring him in." Just, just what, just how you respond as a, as the commissioner of the conference, because there's a lot of layers to this. You're trying to establish a P six, and one of the biggest arguments you have is, if we're not that good, why does everybody want our coaches? And then the second side of it is knowing that, you know, you want to keep these coaches around 
to continue to build this conference. So, you know, when when you see those articles about Frost, about Strong, about Norvell and company, you know, how difficult is that for you to look at that? Because obviously these gentlemen are going to make a decision on, on what's best for them. But, you know, obviously it benefits you to keep them within the conference and to, you know, help to you, you want this to be a conference that is a destination and not just part of the journey. Well, I can't tell you that it's not a problem. It's not frustrating. Uh, you know, what I don't like is when these articles talk about where our coaches are going rather than what our teams have accomplished. Uh, it's not fair to the kids, for instance, at UCF 10 and 0 unbelievable season and, and the whole focus is on will scott frost go to nebraska or will he go to florida or will he go somewhere else and scott frost has done by the way a terrific job of deflecting that i, I think it, it's been a prototype of how you deal with it he uh he basically has said look i'm focused on my team we've got a special season here and i'm just not going to talk about it and he's been great about it but the truth is the media that's all they talk about and and they'll talk about mike norvell going here or there they'll talk about any coach in our league who wins eight or nine or ten games uh, suddenly is heading heading to the P5, and it's not fair to our teams. But, you know, Dan, you know it's it's like, uh, look, you can't roll back the ocean. That That's what the media is going to do. That's We've got to try to convince them to, to pay attention to our teams. You made a good point. If you've got coaches this good and they're in such great demand by the P5, doesn't that tell you how good your conference is? Because, you know, Teams really reflect their coaches. If you don't have a good coach, you're probably not going to have a good team. The second thing is when you've got 15 draft picks and the the Big 12 only had 14, we've had a first-round pick every year. We've had the third pick in the draft. We've had the 13th pick in the draft last year, Hassan Reddick. I think that, I think, tells you that your teams have pretty darn good players, and that's why they compete so well. Uh, So it's frustrating when the focus is strictly on where's the coach going because what is what is that fundamentally that's just p5 bias again over attention to the p5 everything's about what's going to happen with the p5 are they going to the p5 instead of saying look this league's pretty good this league deserves a hearing this league can, can play with anyone uh and by the way we have no illusions about how the league was formed uh, we we don't have the, the pedigree of the Big Ten or the SEC or any of that. We don't have to. We have competed. We've recognized from day one we were a challenger brand, but we knew that just like JetBlue or, you know, Southwest Air, we could be one of the major carriers even though we would do it differently, the way we play, the way we schedule, the way we do things. Uh, we, knew, we, we know who we are, and we know the kind of kids we recruit were unlikely to get five-star kids. We don't need to. You know, we don't get kids that, uh, you know, have always been, uh, you know, um, showered with praise. We get kids that are hard scrabble. They, they work hard. They, uh, they want to succeed. They're often very good, and they get, you know, for some reason, some of their talents have been overlooked. Every now and then you get an Ed Oliver, uh, which is great for our league, but that's rare. Uh, so we know who we are, uh, but we'd like the, uh, the media and the, because I think the public takes a lot of cues, you know, if, if you're not getting media attention, you know, you're going to have a little tougher time getting public attention. Uh, but our fans understand that our attendance is better. Uh, we're, you know, we're approaching now 40 games over the last few years with a million viewers. So I think that tells you the fans like our league. They like the way we play. They think they recognize how competitive we are. Maybe the media has to catch up with them a little bit with all this P5 emphasis. Uh, basketball is a little different sport. You know, you can you can you can get a lot of attention because the tournament's a different kind of thing. Uh, football, it's a little harder. Recognizing that, we're going to just continue to 
you know, plow on and make sure that uh, we let people know what we're accomplishing. I owe it to these kids because our student athletes are great kids uh, and they also competed at the highest level. And I want them to feel that way. I don't want them ever to feel like they're second class citizens. So, uh, you know, we'll leave it at that and we'll just continue to show by the way we play that, uh, that we can you know, play with anyone. I hope we're on New Year's Day this year. I think we've got a really good shot. And I think if we are, we'll be competitive as, as we always are. That coming from the American Athletic Conference Commissioner Mike Oresco. Mike, as always, you know I appreciate the time and that you've you've taken with me on the show and and in general in conversation. And I appreciate the work that you're doing. And you know it's it just it goes a long way. And like I told you, what four over four years ago, you know from one headed from one redheaded stepchild to the next, you know it takes a lot to get to where you want to go. But if you do things the right way then you can reap the benefits and know that the blood, sweat, and tears were all worth it. So I do thank you for your time, and I thank you for your mission, and I thank you that you know you could have given up on a conference. Instead, you decided to you know create one out of the fire, and it takes a special person to do that and with a special team of, of good people to do it as well. So you know I appreciate that. Well, thanks for the kind words, Dan. Uh, again, uh, it is hard to believe where we've uh how far we've come based on where we were four or five years ago, but I was never, never willing to give up on this group. Uh, we've got real commitment and I felt that we had a chance. We had a conference that, uh, would have a dynamic that would allow, you know, them to be successful. If they'd splintered off, they probably wouldn't have been. We had a TV deal that's given us the exposure we needed and people have gotten to see us and see how we play. And uh, I appreciate the insights. I appreciate the questions. I appreciate the chance to be on and to talk about the league and uh, this should be a pretty exciting weekend for us. So it's, uh, you know, it's a real opportunity. And again, thanks for, uh, for your interest in the league. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll hope to give you a good show this weekend. All right. Sounds good, Mike. And take care of yourself. Be safe. And I'll talk with you soon. Yeah, have a great Thanksgiving, Dan. Thank you very much. Take right. care. Same to you. Take care. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrysigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com
This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I want to thank Mike Oresco for being a part of the show, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, and that extensive conversation that gets into the Power Five. Should it be a Power Six? UCF versus USF, one of the best football games that's going to be played in the final week of the regular season to what he can say about the fact that the majority of the people inside of the American Athletic Conference when it comes to the head coaches, 11 of 12 have been the head coach of that team for three years or less outside of Kenya Matalolo, who's been 11 years. So though tenure is a minority, success is the majority. The majority of this conference can go to a bowl game this season. So looking at the fact that people are getting done, getting it done and they're doing it with minimal time, which gives a lot of respect to the coaches and their styles and their ability to turn programs around or keep programs trending up. So, you know, that is something to look at. And the fact that there is conference poaching all the time every single season with these coaches. So as opposed to coaches getting fired, these coaches are getting hired by other conferences, you know, and getting hired into power five jobs. So, you know, that really shows you the level of talent of these coaches, the level of respect of these coaches. And if you respect the coaches inside the AAC for what they've done with their AAC programs, then how can you not respect the AAC? That is the big question. First and foremost here, speaking of the coaches, from the commissioner to the coaches, we've heard the overview of of what the commissioner thinks about the conference and all of his big words and big-time statements that go a long way. Now it's time to hear from the individual institutions, and we're going to start with UConn and head coach Randy Etzel, who is back at UConn. This is his second time being the head coach of the UConn Huskies, and this is his first season since he has been back. I asked him 
with it being Thanksgiving and the thank the Thanksgiving spirit of of being thankful and, and appreciative, what is he thankful for? What is he seeing out of this team that he could be thankful for as they try to move forward, despite the fact that the record may not show a lot and they're not going to a bowl game this season? Just what he could say about a UConn team that's three and eight overall, two and five in the conference. What is he thankful for that he sees in this team for the future? And this is what he had to say. Well, I, I think you know a couple things. You know, number one is that you know is is you go through a, a change and you go through a season. The one thing that I do think is that you know the the uh, the upperclassmen. You know, they're 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 staying together as a team. Sometimes when things don't go well. You know, you have people, it gets divided. Uh, guys are really working. Guys are trying to get better. Uh, you know, we know we, there are certain things we can't, we can't do to help them during the season because that's going to take the weight room. And, you know, we're not a big enough team. We're not a strong enough team. We're not a fast enough team yet. You know, those are things that are all ongoing. But in terms of the stuff you can control and how hard you play and the effort that you give, um, you know, we're getting that. And... You know, we're doing good things, but, you know, again, it's, it's some of those things where, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And, um, you know, those are the things that we have to just continue to get better at in terms of our football uh, instincts, the football knowledge, and, and um, just understanding just, you know, uh, to do your job to the best of your ability each and every play. We've gotten better at that, but we're not near where I want us to be in that regard yet. And, you know, when you look at moving forward here with this team, what about you can keep you energized personally as a coach, you know, to come back and take on this program once again in a different era? What's, what's pushing you forward? What are you excited about moving forward with this team? Well, I, I like the youth that we have in our program. You know, we got, we got some pretty good freshmen and, and some underclassmen that, um, you know, that uh, excited to work with. But, um, and, and, and really just what's on the horizon in terms of what we're, we're doing so far from a recruiting standpoint and the, the uh, enthusiasm that kids have that want to come into this program. And, and, you know, the other thing is the thing that, you know, and, and this got, they, they got away from this here. And, you know, and I'm just being truthful. You know, the, the, just being around the former players that, uh, that, I was, that I coached and recruited for all those years, them coming back, and being around because they haven't been involved in this program for basically six years since I left. And seeing that the enthusiasm and the pride that they have in this program and, and everything else, it just, it just drives me a little bit more, you know, each and every day to make sure that we get that pride back that was here before, you know, for those guys because they're the ones that really uh, set the example and they're the ones that really built the foundation and built this program to what it was and it's sad that it's kind of slipped in those six years and now what I want to do not only for the kids that are here but I'm going to try to do everything I can for those kids that you know you know took this program from 1AA to 1A to the Fiesta Bowl and and those things to, so they can get that pride back and they can feel good about um, talking about UConn again and all those guys in the NFL that's that's a lot that keeps me going as well you know and those guys coming back and just telling me, hey, just, it's got to happen, coach, it's got to happen, you know, those sort of things, that reinforcement, you know, that's really, it's the, it's the players, you know, that's the driving force, it's, it's what you can do for those young men to help them go, go and achieve the goals that they can do, and uh, for me, I'm a has-been, you know, it's, you know, but I can help these young men achieve goals that they want to achieve, and as long as, 
you know, I have the energy and the, you know, that, the support, then, you know, we're going to keep doing that because this place, you know, I know you can do certain things here and that's what we're going to try to continue to accomplish. That coming once again from Randy Etzel of the Yukon Huskies in this conver in these conversations today on the broadcast American Athletic Conference front and center as they head into their final week of the regular season. You heard from the commissioner of the American Athletic, Mike Oresco, and an extensive conversation to start off today's show. A little bit tongue-tied this morning in an extensive conversation to start off the show. You're now going to hear from all 12 of the coaches. We just started off with Randy Etzel of UConn, and Randy Etzel's UConn Huskies, their final game of the season is at Cincinnati on November 25th at noon Eastern time on ESPNU. Going from the east side to the west side, Houston and Major Applewhite, who's in his first season as the head coach. He was the offensive coordinator under Tom Herman, who's now at Texas. They're facing off at home in Houston against Navy, and that game's going to be on November 24th at noon Eastern time on ESPN. So a big game to be on television for both of these teams who are both bowl eligible and both 6-4. and four. So they, they have an opportunity, obviously, to take advantage over the other in this head-to-head game. And this is what Major Applewhite had to say about his team. As I just spoke on Tom Herman, the team has had different coaches and different things happen in their recent history. So a lot of players on the team have had to deal with change. How does he feel they have handled change? And this is what Major Applewhite had to say about the 6-4 and four Houston Cougars. Yeah, they've, uh, you know, they, they've responded really well. Um, you know, the effort has been there. Um, the, the level of play, the inconsistent play at times is, is the thing that we focused on. Um, but, but the response and, and what they've done uh, in the classroom and off the field and, and how they've played on the field uh, to get bowl eligible is, is obviously a great thing, but uh, by no means are we satisfied. You know, there, there's more on the table. And, uh, you know, when you look at three of your four losses, the combined 10 points in those three games, it's, it's difficult to swallow, but you're motivated to go back and go fix those mistakes and make those things better uh, in the offseason and address those issues and, and, and your shortcomings because we, we should have a better record than we do currently. When you look at uh, the West Division in and of itself in the American, to look at the, the talent that is there and on any given day anybody can win. I mean, Houston's had their days, as you know, being there, and, and SMU has had some positive moments in the third season with Chad Morris. Navy's had bright spots. Memphis is going to their first conference championship game, and, and Tulane, obviously, with Willie Fritz, has surged forward and tried some good things this year that maybe they, they didn't do last year. What have you taken away from this side of the conference, and just what you can say about the level of talent in the West moving forward? Yeah, it's just it's a highly competitive league, you know, and, and our side of, of the conference uh, especially, you know, it's, it's a very even side of the conference. There's, you know, very seldom are there are there you know, lopsided scores, very well-coached teams, a lot of talent in those teams. Um, it's a very, very competitive side of the, of the league. That coming from Major Applewhite inside of the Houston program in the AAC here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the morning menu, hearing from each of the 12 coaches in the American Athletic Conference who have played strong in and out of conference all season, making a case for the P6 and that is something that is a national, it should be a national story. It is a national story here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. As I speak with a lot of people from around the country, have listeners from around the country and outside of the country. And we need to really take a fine look at the fact that the Power Five is not, it's not good enough to say Power Five 
it is more than due time to say Power Six and include the American as part of that. Next up is Philip Montgomery of the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. And Philip Montgomery and his team have their final game of the season for the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. That game is going to be against Temple at home in Tulsa, Oklahoma on November 25th at 4 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN News. The Tulsa Golden Hurricane have played teams close this season. They did grab a win inside of the AAC, but they are 1-6 in the conference, 2-9 overall. They've had success in recent history, and this has been a season of, of adversity, close games, but ultimately not being able to grab hold of it and hold on till the final zeros in the buzzer sounds. Philip Montgomery... On this season, though, D'Angelo Brewer, his running back, set the record for the most yardage over 3,600 yards in his career in the American Athletic Conference. So what Philip can say about D'Angelo Brewer, not just the running back, but the person. Well, I mean, D'Angelo's done so much for us. He's a great leader for us uh, on and off the field. Uh, done everything I've asked him to do. You know, after our first year here, I just told him, hey, if, if you're going to make it in this league, then then you've got to you got to add some weight. You got to do some things differently, and and everything I've asked him to do, he's done. And and uh, you know the the stats and the records speak for themselves, but it doesn't talk about the person. And he's a he's a great kid in our community that is from right here in Tulsa, and a great example for for kids as they are striving to be the best because he's a guy that that's done it the right way. And as far as your team, like you said, you know you don't get anything for. Uh, Losses that there's there's not a moral victory so to speak, but what positives can you take to build off of from the team this season as a coach? What are you looking for to create? You know, for that final game against Temple, the mentality of let's go out, let's win this thing, let's build off of X, Y, and Z. What are what is X, Y, and Z at this point for you? Well, for us, it's it's about sending our seniors out the right way. We've got a lot of young guys that have had to play because of injuries and other things, so. You know, for them, it's another chance to get better. I mean, uh, you're you're not getting the bowl practices that we've had the last couple of years to continue to keep uh, developing your young talent, and so we got to do a great job this 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 week of uh, locking in and being focused and and understanding these are the reps that are going to help us uh, not only for Temple but for the years to come, especially with your younger players. But overall, it's all about. Uh, Trying to go out with a better taste in our mouth that's going to lead us into you know our winter conditioning and spring and, and sending these seniors out in the right way. This is a wake up call, fast break. Hey, wake up call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalwear, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza. 
where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing. With Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing. Proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Happy to be here with you inside of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street, in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dan Tortora Special Belgian Waffle Cut in Half, filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelet. It is absolutely amazing. And you have to go out, go out to the Market Diner exclusively to get it. It is near Destiny, USA, the train station, the bus station, the regional market, Syracuse Chiefs Stadium, major multiple major highways right outside of downtown. Very, very easy to get to. So make sure you make your way over to the centrally located diner that has the Dan Tortora special and so much more to offer to you. You don't come out of there smelling like a greasy spoon, which I can't say about really any other diner for the most part that I've ever been in. And the food is great. The service is great. The people are great. The family that owns it is a wonderful family. Big shout out to Tony and Elaine and BC and all that they have done. So get out there and get my spin on a bacon, egg, and cheese breakfast sandwich. Throw it on a Belgian waffle, and all of a sudden we're having a party. Coming up next here in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora for Tuesday, November 21st, is, of course, my conversations continuing with the American Athletic Conference coaches. We're going to Cincinnati. Heading over to Ohio for Luke Fickle and what he has to say about his senior class. This is his first season as the head coach, and he's watching these seniors go out. What have been his takeaways of this senior class? They've had a rough go, and they've had a tough, you know, few years, and, and it's really difficult to, you know, to, to get through a lot of that different stuff, and um, you know, from what they've seen and what they've had to go through, and you know, from the time we walked in the door, they did. They opened their hearts and. Um, you know, they, they did the things we asked them to do and, and worked at it. And, uh, you know, nothing's guaranteed to them, and, I, and you know, I feel for them. And, uh, you know, but uh, it hasn't been from a lack of effort. It hasn't been from them not at least, you know, going all in on the things we've asked them to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, in the long run, uh, these are the kinds of things that as long as they can battle through this and not let it get them too, too down uh, and they learn how to handle themselves, I think they'll be a hell of a lot better in the long run because of it. And then as far as, you know, you this being your first season in Cincinnati, what have you learned most about yourself through this situation? I mean, 
lot of people point back to the successes you've had elsewhere, but now that you've been here for pretty much a full season, and what you could say about what you're taking away as a coach moving forward? It, it's a it's a it's a big animal and a big process of you know getting everything in line to what you want to do, and it's, it's exhausting. And uh, you know we you know that as a as a parent, you know that uh, not that I do it a ton at home because that's my wife; she does it all, but. Uh, it's the same thing in, in this. It's not just about the stuff that you do on the football field. You know, there's so much time and things that are spent in, um, you know, relationships and things like that. Uh, the football field, you know, is, is what is evaluated every single day. You know, those are the things sometimes that you enjoy and you want to go do. But um, in putting this process together and building and shaping a culture and things like that, that uh, there's so much more stuff that you got to do that off the field uh, that's going to translate to on the field and. and uh, you know, I, I know that uh, there's going to be a lot of work since we, you know, not that we don't have the, the ability to go to a bowl game and have those practices. There's going to be an incredible amount of work um, in making sure the alignment of a lot of things are all together through tough times. That coming once again from Luke Fickle, who came over to Cincinnati, not from far away, came over from Ohio State and looking to build success in a program who had some success in the past, had some good times under Tommy Tuberville, and over the last you know couple of years have trended downward. Luke Fickle's trying to change that this season. His team will, will have an opportunity this season to win another game inside of the AAC. Right now they're 1-6 in the conference, 3-8 and eight overall. They're at the bottom of the East on that side of things, but this is a road that's going to take some time. They're playing up against UConn on November 25th at noon Eastern time on ESPN Network, so make sure that you check them out there as they continue their road to work to trend up. One of the teams that's working to trend up as well is East Carolina. Just a few seasons ago under Ruffin McNeil, the team was getting eight wins in a season. Now under Scotty Montgomery in his second season, the team is trying to push forward and find some bright light and bright days as they move forward. They've had to deal with a quarterback change. They've obviously had Justin Hardy in recent history, who set the record for most yardage ever as a receiver in college football for the Division 1A, every team in the history. That was broken by Zay Jones, also an East Carolina Pirate alum, who's now with the Buffalo Bills, and Justin Hardy with the Atlanta Falcons. So East Carolina has worked to build up more talent, to build up receivers, to find that leadership. And Gardner Minshew has been a guy who's gotten the job and and had some times where he wasn't the man under center. Well, he got it back most recently, and they got a victory over Cincinnati, 48-20. Gardner Minshew in that game for East Carolina was 31-45 for 444 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions in the game. And here is Scotty Montgomery to speak on his quarterback, Gardner Minshew, so far. You know, we really just wanted to continually get better. Uh, he came out at the beginning of the year. It uh, didn't go the way that we wanted it to go. We felt like we had a really good player at the position. We still feel like we have a great player. All through the hard hard times that he was going through, we just continued to try to coach him. And the best thing about him, he's probably one of the more coachable guys that I've been around. And just the little things that we've asked him to do, he's done. And because of that, his teammates, of course, respect the heck out of him. And uh, he just meant a lot for this team. It gives us the ability to be dynamic, throwing the football, uh, and, you know, he operates our offense, uh, which I'm, I'm really happy about, of course, because we get him back. But bigger, the bigger purpose is that you got him the whole offseason. Uh, him able to run the offense during the offseason program 
gives us another coach and another coordinator and uh, another position coach out on the field for our young players. And then as far as your team, just what you've been able to take away from them, I know that there's been ups and downs of the season and, and that it's not going to end in a bowl berth for you, but how has the team responded to your coaching, what you've asked of them? What do you feel like the buy-in is at this point as you look to end strong and then and then also to you know build upon the successes that you did have and move forward into next season? You know, the, the biggest thing that I'm proud about is our culture, uh, the things that sometimes you don't necessarily always see, but you know, last week, um, you know, we we we, we played uh, a tough, a really really tough game. We we've gotten better at it over the past, uh, you know, five or six weeks collectively. We we played a little better, um, and and moving into the all season, and we're really we're really happy that we got a lot of our guys coming back. But we're really happy that our older guys were able to help some of our young guys, even when some of our older guys weren't playing and the young guys were playing in their roles. Uh, our, our, our locker room was so good that our older players could use some of their experiences to help some of these talented young players that we have here. And that makes me proud. That, that makes me know that the buy-in is connected to something bigger than a statement or a word or a phrase. It's really about the culture of the program and the love uh, of your teammates. So we're really happy about uh, the buy-in and the culture and, and, and just moving forward. Some of our young players now, uh, we're going to be able to help some younger players in the future just because of how well some of our older guys have been there to, to help them through some tough times. That coming from East Carolina's head coach, Scotty Montgomery, one more time. Scotty Montgomery getting a big victory and getting almost 50 points on Cincinnati before the end of the season. They will take on Memphis at Memphis in Tennessee on November 25th at noon Eastern time. On ESPNU, Memphis already has won the West of the American, and they will head to their first-ever American Athletic Football Championship game happening on December 2nd. So they know they're in it, but they have an opportunity to get 10 wins this season, and that would be massive for the Memphis Tigers as they look for the opportunity to go to 10-1 and as East Carolina looks to finish strong at 4-8. and Next up on the docket is going to be Jeff Collins of the Temple Owls. Jeff Collins and the Temple Owls, they are only behind UCF in South Florida. Now, because UCF and South Florida cast such a big shadow this year with being 19-1 and combined, it's hard to see that the Temple Owls in this one. But Temple was the only team that played in back-to-back AAC football championship games. They played in Houston two years ago for the first one, and then they played. So in 2014, they were in Houston. In 2015, they were, or pardon me, in 2015, they were in Houston. In 2016, they were playing up against Navy in Annapolis, Maryland, and beat Navy there. So Temple hasn't hosted it. Temple's been on the road in Houston, lost that one in the AAC Championship, first year of its institution. Last year, they won it in Annapolis, Maryland, so this will be the first year, 2017, that they will not be in it, but they are in third place of the American Athletic East. They have the opportunity to go to a bowl game if they win their final game of the season, which is at Tulsa on November 25th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the ES on ESPN News. So make sure that you're tuning into this game. Big implications. I asked about the intensity for this game and, and what uh, Coach thinks about the fact that they may be bowling in 
in this season, in his first season with Temple since Matt Rule left last uh, at the end of last year. So I asked Jeff Collins, you know, is there more intensity? What is the feeling going into this game? And this is what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, every week we treat the same and we don't, you know, um, change week to week. We give our best effort every single day, um, complete focus in everything we do to try to go 1-0 and every day, try to go 1-0 and every week. Uh, but obviously we know that, you know, the implications um, for bowl eligibility, we know the implications for uh, sending this senior class that we all love um, out as the all-time winningest team in school history um, or class in school history. So all those things are, are relevant and they're real. Um, but, you know, if you don't take care of every day and every bit of preparation um, and look past all that to those other things, you know, you, you set yourself up for, for a risk. And uh, so we're just staying in the moment, uh, working hard every single day. Um, the juniors and sophomores uh, know that they've played a lot of ball. I think we've had 41 different kids start games this year, um, which I haven't been around as a coach. Um, so a lot of young guys are playing a lot of ball for us. And, uh, you know, the, the juniors and sophomores, um, you know, are learning a lot. Um, so they know they can be special um, moving forward after all the lessons they've learned from this great senior class. Um, but they really are committed to sending this group out the right way um, and giving their entire effort, you know, to, to play great um, on Saturday against a really good Tulsa team. And then as far as the adversity that you have faced this season, just what you can say it's taught you as a coach in your first season with Temple and, and just what you've really kind of, you know, looked in the mirror and, and seen back at you as you move forward. Well, the big thing that we talked about the entire offseason was that, you know, a lot of the young guys that are in the bulk of our roster um, haven't had a lot of adversity, hadn't faced uh, a lot of the pain uh, that some of our senior class has, the you know, two and ten and the six and six seasons. They never experienced that, never had that pain that comes with, you know, losing games that you should have won. Um, obviously, we hate that we had to go through that. Um, you know, losing some really close games that we know that we, we should have been in a position to win. Um, but the, the level of pain that's associated with that, um, you know, in some ways it's great for a, for a young team to go through that to make sure before we don't experience that again. Uh, played great for two weeks, um, you know, against Navy and against Cincinnati. Uh, really played good against Army, too, just couldn't win in overtime. Um, so we've got a good football team. And, uh, you know, heading into this last stretch, everybody, you know, the, the focus was we knew we had to win three out of the four. Obviously, you always want to win four out of the four. But all the goals that we had set out, um, you know, are still intact. And moving forward, the leadership and the, the experience has been developed um, by all of these, you know, guys playing a lot of good ball for us um, is going to help and learn from this great senior class. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this, Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. 
Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome and your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We are inside of the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA, and the heat is back on in the house. Oh, wahoo! So I'm very happy about that. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you listening in to the show. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of today's broadcast featuring the American Athletic Conference, the commissioner of the AAC that oversees every single integral part, every nook and cranny of what is the Power Six Conference, the American Athletic Conference. Very, very happy to have had him on the show earlier this morning and very happy to be sharing with you right now the AAC football coaches, all 12 of these gentlemen joining me here on the broadcast in my Q&A, courtesy of the opportunity to be on the American Athletic Teleconference to speak with all these coaches to provide for you these Q&As. So I got to do the work, I got to do the research, and I thank the 
AAC for giving us an avenue to reach out to each of these coaches so that somebody like me, who is willing to do the research on the entire nation and get it all ready and set for you to listen into, that we have a place to get to these coaches since obviously it's very difficult to fly to every single city every single week. So it's nice to get on one phone call and speak with coaches from Texas as well as the Carolinas and Florida and Oklahoma and so on and so forth. So thank you and a big shout out to the AAC, Chuck Sullivan and company. Going up next on the show is the head coach of the Navy Midshipmen, and that is Ken Niamatololo. Ken Niamatololo has the longest tenure inside of the AAC. 11 of 12 coaches are three years or less as the head coach of that program. Ken Niamatololo is in his 11th season, so he's passed a decade with Navy. He will have a game at Houston. Big game coming up on November 24th at noon Eastern time on ESPN, as I stated earlier when you heard from Major Applewhite. This is what Ken had to say to me about the team. Are there any positives that he can key in on right now? Because he said a few weeks ago Navy wasn't playing Navy football. Does he feel like they're doing it now? This is what he had to say. Yeah, you know, I thought we played hard against uh, Notre Dame, which was encouraging. Uh, you know, we had one turnover on offense that was a critical one. And, you know, we're, I think, 114, or we're in the hundreds in turnover margin. That's probably the most disheartening thing, you know what I mean, that uh, we always strive to be the best in the country in turnover margin, and we're one of the worst. Um, you know, penalties were up there, and uh, we're doing better. Well, you know, we're still getting some penalties that, you know, we normally don't get. And so, you know, we're just trying to play cleaner, just assignment-wise, uh, turnover-wise, uh, penalty-wise. And then, you know, because that's always been our, our culture. And then you let the other stuff fall where they may. Will we tackle guys? I don't know. Will we block guys? I don't know. But if you're not covering the right guy, you don't have a right have a chance. And if you're not blocking the right guy, you don't have a chance. And so, you know, ten games into it, it's a little disappointing that those are the things we're still talking about improving on. But that's part of the deal, and just keep trying to get better. And then as far as you know, you as, as a head coach of this team, and you've been there a while, and you've obviously seen a bunch of talent come through. What have you learned about yourself through this season, where there have been moments where you haven't? Team Navy football. What has it taught you? What have you kind of taken away at this point in your tenure at Navy? Well, you got to stick to your culture. Your culture is strong, and you know what your program's about. You know, so you got to be strong and firm that way as the leader of your program. But you also got to be humble enough to look at what you're doing and to see how you can improve and things you can get better at. Maybe different ways of practicing, different ways of teaching doesn't mean you overhaul stuff. I don't believe in that. And I'm not saying that you just junk everything. But I, I don't think it would be wise or if you don't just look at what could you do to do better. You know what I mean? I think some guys are, well, we've always done this, so we're going to keep doing that. Um, and so stuff that you know and that you can stick to and are tried and tested, you continue to do. But there might be some things that you can tweak uh, to improve. And so that's what you learn just going back and looking at everything, just how you're doing things, what can you do to help your guys play better? Because that's the ultimate goal, just trying to help you guys play better and what are things you can do and, you know, just keep trying to look and uh, keep trying to search and just keep, you know, staying at it to try to help you guys improve. 
that coming once again from Ken Niamatololo of the Navy Midshipmen. They have a game at Houston, and then they have a game against Army, the traditional game, the last game of the season for Navy and Army in the regular season will be on December 9th at 3 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. I always love that game. So uh, I, I always somehow am going out and buying a tree during that time, but I love the game, and it's definitely worth watching. Navy is heading to a bowl game this season, and that Army game I'm hoping will be a huge game for both sides as Army has had a very exciting season this season at 8-3 and three overall. Next up in the conversations with the American Athletic Conference is going to be the SMU head coach, and that is Chad Morris. He's in his third season with the team, and this team who has taken the last couple seasons to really grow and go through a lot of adversity have gotten to the point where they're finally bowl eligible. They've won six games, but they've lost their last three. They're looking to get back on the right side of it against Tulane. They will be at home in Texas on November 25th at noon Eastern time on CBS Sports Network. I start my conversation with the SMU head coach on if he feels that the culture has truly changed for the better at SMU. I do, Dan. You know, there is. There's there's uh, obviously to become bowl eligible and, and uh, you know, be 6-2 and two coming out of the, the month of October uh, was huge. Um and, and it is it, it's it is a you know you try to you try to step back as a head coach a little bit and look at okay the big picture where we were where we are right now so yes there's there's been a lot of a lot of progress that's made um, we've been very close in in the games over the last few weeks which which um, you know says we're getting you know our culture is stronger and and and, uh, and we're, we're getting so much uh, you know we're just plays away now and. Uh, so those things right there are really um, just just you, know, you build on those. Um, obviously, to, to be able to finish this season out on a positive note and send our seniors out at Ford Stadium on a positive note would be a, would be a huge accomplishment for our, for our program uh, moving forward. But uh, uh, we've got a, we've got a big task ahead of us. Um, we've just got to get back to, to doing what we do and and um, playing sound defense, and that's that's something we've been unable to do the last couple of weeks. What has been the uh, the ingredients to success for you from year one to year year two, year two and year three? What are some of those things you can pinpoint? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just being consistent in your approach every day. It, uh, it's the little things um, compounded over time that is really uh, accumulated to where we are today. It's it's the daily wins of year one uh, when maybe the outcome on the scoreboard wasn't what you were you were you, you were you were hoping for. Um, it was the opportunity to find something good, some type of win, some type of positive um, and that you could you could celebrate with these with these kids in this program. And so that's that's and, and we've held true to that through the entire time. Um, and again, you know, the last three weeks have not been to what we want, the outcome to what we want. But there is growth that's happening in this program, and uh, I've said it. And I, I was sharing this just the other day is that. You know the different types of challenges now um, compared to two years ago are completely different, and so it's just a it, it's it's a continual growth of, of just just being the best and being where you are, being where your feet are every day. This is a wake up call, fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. 
Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or a wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. Green's Ale House and Grill, located on 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York, is your home for all the games, all the time, Sunday through Saturday, no matter what the sport is. It's also your home of Wingmaster Jabber, who's constantly in the kitchen creating wings that have won awards, and you love to eat every single day of the week. At Green's, you'll also find the Wake Up Call with Dan Satora live on location coaches show, exclusively dedicated to the Oswego State Lakers' numerous sports programs. There's only one place to go in Oswego, and that is Green's Ale House and Grill, 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York. We'll see you there. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. In the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York. In the regional market across from Destiny, USA, you are hearing from the American Athletic Conference coaches, courtesy of the American Athletic Conference coaches teleconference where I had an opportunity to have a Q&A with all 12 of the coaches inside of the conference. Next up in the conversation is Willie Fritz of Tulane on the other side of this matchup with SMU. If SMU wins, they're already in a bowl game, but if they win, then they stop their losing streak and they go into the bowl season with a victory. They go into a bowl into the bowl season trending upward and stopping the bleeding. At 6 and 5, they would be 7 and 5. If not, they go to 6 and 6, but Tulane gets in. So, this this game is big for Tulane in the sense of they have to win it to get in. Where SMU is already in, but of course you don't want to end the game. You don't want to end the regular season on a sour note. So this would the you know the either way you go in this game, either SMU gets back to the winning side of things, and that's a huge positive and something Chad Morris can build off of and say, listen guys, we've been close in these games, but we haven't finished. In this game, we did. Or on the other side for Willie Fritz, he takes this team and they go to a bowl game. He hasn't been in Tulane that long, and they have had tumultuous time in their history and have not typically gone to, as you're going to hear him say, 
typically have not gone to the postseason. So this is a massive game for them at noon Eastern time on November 25th on CBS Sports Network. So I appreciate both of the coaches. I would love to see them both go to a bowl game, but that unfortunately means that one of them has to lose. So, you know, obviously hoping the best for both moving forward. And this is what Willie Fritz had to say about the opportunity to go bowling for Tulane. Well, you know, that's good. It's, it's good to play, you know, meaningful games in November, particularly late November. Uh, you know, we, we stubbed our toe a couple times and, you know, put ourselves in this situation. Uh, but, uh, you know, we had an opportunity to to, to do do some good things here at Tulane, which we haven't done very many times over the last several years. So, uh, you know, I'm proud of the guys. Our, our effort has been there. Throughout the year, there's one game I'd love disappointed in our, our, our physicality and our effort. Uh, but otherwise, our guys have, have come ready to play, and, and uh, uh, for the most part, played just you know near the you know the, the best of their ability. So, just happy that we're getting that effort week in and week out. You have been given respect all across this conference by coaches believing that you know everywhere that you've gone, you've left your mark in a very positive way. Last season, the team was 4-8. This season, the team has is, is already got one extra win and that opportunity to become bowl eligible. Just what you can say about uh, what you're learning about yourself at this point in your coaching career, and then secondly, what you can say about the rest of the American having respect for what you've done. Well, that's nice of them to say that. We've got a great group of coaches, and I think they're really good people. And, uh, you know, in this, you know, I've been in a lot of different conferences and leagues, and don't always have that, but uh, we've got a lot of, I've got a lot of respect for all the coaches in this conference. And you know, I've been fast enough for me. I, 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 you know, unfortunately, I'm impatient. You want to get it done, but you got to look at the big picture. Tulane's had five winning seasons the last 35 years. I knew coming in here, this is going to be a rebuild, and and uh, come close to getting it going a little bit faster than, than what has happened so far, but. Uh, we need to keep forging ahead. That's why this weekend is such a big ball game for our program. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You were just hearing from Willie Fritz of Tulane, who has an opportunity to go bowling. SMU is already bowl eligible at 6-5. and five. And then on the other side of the matchup, Willie Fritz and Tulane are 5-6. and six. They need this win. The irony about this is that both teams will be 6-6 six and six, and that Tulane will leapfrog SMU in the West standings because they would have the same record if Tulane is to win this game and they would have the head-to-head tiebreaker. So very interesting if that does happen, just how much Willie Fritz has done in this season alone, especially late in the season, to do what looked like just enough and will end up looking a lot better than just enough when all is said and done. It would actually put them in at least the fourth spot of the AAC. So big for Tulane. Up next is Mike Norvell on the one side. The one side that we know about the AAC football championship game is the west side, and that's that Memphis is going to be representing there. Memphis and head coach Mike Norvell. The team has achieved their first ever AAC football championship berth. They have never been there before. The west has, you look at it, the last couple seasons, Temple has represented the east. So, So the east has been consistent, where the west has been, Houston, then Navy, now it's Memphis. Memphis doesn't know who they're playing yet because that'll come down to the UCF-South Florida head-to-head matchup that I will 
discuss with you in just a moment when both of these coaches join the show. But we know that one side's going to be the Tigers of Memphis, and I'm more than proud to welcome Mike Norvell back onto the team. This is one of those guys that you root for, and just what he can say about the quick successes of his team, how fast this team listened to him, bought in, and, and just how much success they've had. They, they went to a bowl game, they got eight wins with him in his first year last year, and this year they have the chance to get 10 wins, and they know that they're going to the first AAC football championship to get an extra game in, and then they'll be going to a nice bowl game. They should be, and this is what he had to say about the quick success. Well, it's it's been an incredible journey, and it's one that you know, there was a lot of turnover when we when we got here. Uh, you know, we had to replace the first round draft pick quarterback. You know, there was uh, you know obviously the coaching change. You know, we've had thirty five freshmen that have played for us in our first two years. Um, you know, it's you know we've had to bring in some junior college players, and there's been a great mix. And the thing that I tell you is that the the, the young men that were here uh, that uh, you know, allowed us an opportunity to come in and coach them, and the uh, and the, the, the fine young men that believed enough in, in the staff, the program to join it, and uh, you know to be able to continue to progress uh, this program on the track that uh, that I believe that we're going has been uh, has been fun to watch and fun to be a part of. So. Uh, you know, I'm really proud of this team. I'm proud of our coaches. Uh, you know, the support of our community and who we represent. Uh, you know, it has been a has been a a great a great couple of years. And uh, you know, we're not done yet. You know, it is great to uh, be able to accomplish one of the goals that we started out this season with. But uh, there's still uh, so much more to play for. And uh, you know, we we're, we're excited about the opportunity for sure. The West Division has been represented by three different teams, from Houston to Navy to now yourself in Memphis. Just what you can say about representing the city of Memphis, Tennessee, and what it means to you to know that, like you said, for sure you're going to have that extra game of play. Well, I mean, it's uh, you always tell people the greatest thing about being the head coach of the University of Memphis is who we represent. And this community has been incredible. I mean, the way that they've welcomed uh, you know, our family, this, this team, I mean, the, the players that we have, uh, you know, we know we represent something much bigger than ourselves. And, uh, you know, to be able to, uh, to go out there and uh, to, to claim the West Division Championship, uh, to know that, uh, that we get to play one more game together as a team, uh, you know, that's, that's a special, it's, it's a special occasion. And so, uh, uh, you know, our, our guys, they were, it, it was fun to watch them celebrate. It was fun to, to be able to take that picture, you know, after the game and know all the work that went in to accomplishing that one goal. But, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, we're still, we're still on, on our, on our mission and the journey to, to accomplish all of our goals. And so we know we've got to, got to continue to work and, and keep, uh, you know, keep progressing as a team to, to get to that point. The other side of this matchup for the American Athletic Championship football championship game is going to be decided between UCF and USF in the battle on I-4, the battle for Florida. And we know that Mike Norvell, like I said, is on one side of it, and on the other side of it, it is a wait and see. This is what Charlie Strong had to say in our Q&A about a new Florida that USF and UCF are taking a hold of. Well, you look at it, man, the, the thing that happens when you look at Florida State, Miami, Florida, you know, the, you don't ever get in a recruiting battle with them because they're going to get who they're going to get. So the, now you got to battle uh, Central Florida, and it's always been like this where we're battling each other for the, for the next best players. And so you, those guys all have uh, a lot of know one another. They've all, some of them play together in high school. They've developed their relationship with one another. So, they, you know, it's a big game because now you, you're looking at teammates, you're looking at friends. You know, everything that make up a rival is, is what you see now with the, with the two of us playing. 
And how much does this play into recruiting a game like this where it's for the east side of the American and it's for the right to play in the American Football Championship? How much do you feel this could potentially play into recruiting no matter who wins on each side of it as far as, uh, as, far as benefits moving forward? Well, there's you know, some recruits that really haven't made up their minds, so a lot of them will be at this game, and some they're going to have a chance to watch two teams play. So, you know, you you always want to make sure that that when the recruits see it, you know, they when they make that decision that you want them to come to South Florida just because of the way we played and and what we've done. On the other side of that matchup in the final game of the regular season for both teams, South Florida and Central Florida, and what will decide the American Athletic East couldn't write a better story on this one. Here is Scott Frost on his thoughts about a new Florida. When you're not named Miami, Florida State, Florida, and whatnot, the fact that there are other teams that are finding success, making the end, the last game of the regular season interesting, and charging forward like his team, who is currently one of the only undefeated teams left in the nation. Here's what Scott Frost had to say about a new Florida. Well, this state has the best high school football in the country, and, and I've been all over the country and seen it, and, and I don't think it gets any better than this. There's, there's talent everywhere, there's speed everywhere, and uh, that has certainly helped us turn this program around really quickly. Um, you know, it, we we can get good players in this state. Um, you know, speaking for UCF, you know, this is an unbelievable college town with a huge campus and every major a guy could want. And it really has everything that you could want in a school. And um, I think when you pair that with the fact that there is so much talent right around here, um, it makes this a unbelievable uh, university and football program with uh, unlimited and untapped potential right now. You are in the day-to-day. Obviously, people see wins and losses. They see what you do on the field. But what is it about UCF that in these two seasons you really felt has helped turn everything around when you're in that nitty-gritty and you're in the office and going around campus and recruiting and whatnot? What are those you know, integral pieces that you really feel have helped turn this program around? Uh, I'd start with the coaching staff. These guys have done an unbelievable job. Um, I think the spirit of the kids, even when they were down uh, when we first got here, there's a lot of guys that wanted to prove that they could do more and they wanted to go to work and make it happen. Um, I think we've recruited the right guys. I think evidence of that is all the young kids that are playing on our team and, and not just playing but performing well and contributing. Um, so I think the guys that have been out recruiting have picked the right guys. Uh, it's remarkable what this group has done. I mean, it, from 0-12 to having a chance to, uh, if we can find a way to get a win, to have an undefeated regular season, um, I don't know if that's been done. Um, I know we were second to last in, in scoring offense uh, in 2015, and now we're first. I think we were way down there in scoring defense, and now we're in the top 15 or 20. Um, those kind of things are, are remarkable, and, and the coaches – uh, assistant coaches on this staff and the players uh, probably aren't getting enough credit for the for the type of turnaround that's happened here. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315 315- 315 
315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events, giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast. And you have now heard from all 12 coaches inside of the American Athletic Conference when it comes to football. I want to thank each and every single one of the coaches that has been on the broadcast today. I want to give a big shout-out and a big thanks to Scott Frost of UCF, Charlie Strong of USF, Mike Norvell of Memphis, Willie Fritz of Tulane, Chad Morris of SMU, Kenny Amatololo of Navy, Jeff Collins of Temple, Scotty Montgomery of East Carolina, Luke Fickle of Cincinnati, Philip Montgomery of Tulsa, Major Applewhite of Houston, and Randy Etzel of UConn, as well as the man that oversees it all, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference in his fight for the P6, that I think that he has more than earned in this conference, has more than worked to earn as well as one unit, one team, and is not one person, it is a collective And I give a lot of credit and a lot of respect to the American Athletic. P6 is a real thing, folks, and we need to start being about it, talking about it, and realizing that it is reality. So you can only pretend that reality doesn't exist for so long because reality is reality. A congratulations and a thanks to everything that the AAC has done. A shout-out to all the coaches and to their programs and respective universities and colleges. And a thank you to the AAC Commissioner Mike Horesco and to the office of the commissioner and to everybody working in the American Athletic Conference for all that they do. Inside of today's show, a big thanks to the 13 of you. Lucky number 13 my for my grandfather. So big shout out to you, Pop, and I love you. Big game this weekend. Like I said, UCF-USF is going to be played in Orlando. Central Florida's home turf, and it's going to be on Black Friday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC. So get your shopping done and be in front of a television at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on November 24th, which is this coming Friday, Black Friday. Tomorrow's show will be jam-packed as we will take Thursday and Wednesday show and throw them together because we'll be off for Thanksgiving. I'll talk with you at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. In the meantime, go and read, watch, listen, and so much on wakeupcalldt.com. Stay connected always on wake up call, uh, at wakeupcalldt on Facebook, at calldt on Twitter, at wakeupcall underscore dt on Instagram. God bless, have a great day, and I will talk with you all soon. Be well. And shout out to Muddy Waters. 
thank them for all that they do. Sunday and Saturday brunch, two days a weekend brunch. Very excited about that. So go out and enjoy, enjoy their brunch at Muddy Waters on 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville. Enjoy all the phenomenal food that they have and a taste of the South. When I'm talking with these SMU coaches and Tulane and this, that, and the other, getting me hungry for some Southern cooking. Thank goodness that Central Florida can heat up with a great place like Muddy Waters which has no competition, on 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York. I'll talk with you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. right here on MixLR.com backslash wakeupcalldt.